Good morning, Faith family. Uh, we're in John 13, and thanks for reading God's Word, Don, and developing praise team. Thank you so much for serving us, uh, leading us to worship God with those truths, and uh, Don leading us in prayer. <clears throat> Let's just pray again, shall we? Uh, God, we uh, come before you and thank you that you can be glorified in how you love and uh, that you are glorified even in uh, how we love and that people will know that we are your disciples by the love that we have. So we pray now that you would open our eyes to teach us uh, about your love, open our hearts to be able to receive your love, and we pray that our hands and our feet uh, would be prompted and motivated and uh, just propelled out from here uh, to show love to this world. Uh, Lord, we uh, pray for uh, those that are uh, fostering out of love, that you would give them a steadfast love and be glorified through that. Uh, Lord, we pray for those that are uh, loving their neighbors in acts of service. Um, you can't think of that without thinking of Dave Rice. And so we just praise you for what you're doing in Dave and his heart and out to others. Pray that you would connect uh, with his lips, uh, the service of his hands to the glory of the cross. And we just pray, Lord, for his influence, whether it's up the eggshell, at the round table, uh, or just everywhere in Loudoun, that people would know of you through his acts. Empower him, protect him, bless him because of your love. Lord, we think of different business owners that love uh, through what they do to oversee and to manage and to care for. We pray for New England Sheet Metal and Pat Boone. You continue to have him have an eye of love to his employees, caring for them, uh, providing for them, uh, looking for opportunities to witness to them. We pray, Lord, that there would be people there that would be intrigued by his questions, his care, uh, his oversight, and ask, Lord, would you make disciples, would your name be glorified through the love that Pat has at New England Sheet Metal? Lord, we pray for those that are uh, in the cleaning industry that serve people when they're not home, take care of their stuff, so do it in a detailed way to make it shine and sparkle for them to come home and to be home. Lord, we pray for Dawn and Denise and Bryn as they love others through their ministry of service, as they take attention to detail and do it to you and have uh, hard, long, dirty jobs, we pray that you would uh, let that love that they do for that be seen, noticed, appreciated, and ultimately a platform to talk about you. Uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, that ministry that they have. Lord, we uh, ask you uh, for United Baptist in Concord this morning. It has a love not just for their own church, but allows their building to be used by so many. Pray for Pastor Denis as a shepherd of his flock that he would love them. Thank you for his uh, stick to through some hard years, through some changing years of vision and ideas of what the church is and what it could be. Lord, we thank you for that steadfast love that he's shown. We pray would receive it and love him in return and uh, that he would flourish and the flock would do well uh, as he serves them your word and leads them in times at a pace that might be uncomfortable, but that they would trust him. Lord, we pray for George and Kim Aguirre, who have just been battling so much these past couple months. It has just been one thing after another, from the detached retina to shingles to traveling for the mission. Lord, we pray that you would just uh, make them see your love and how you've kept them and how you've sustained them. Lord, we just thank you for those gifts, 
each week where we didn't even pray, we didn't even think about it, and yet you gave us something that just lets us know that you knew exactly what we needed. Lord, thank you for those gifts that aren't attached to our prayers, but just because you're a good God who gives so well and generously. Lord, we just pray that, uh, again, you would use us to proclaim your name with our words and our deeds as they are acts of love. And that we do it even to the least of these as if we were doing it to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we're embarking on our second leg of the journey. It started last week. Uh, Last week we began to consider how uh, the brilliance of God's love can actually be seen most clearly against that dark backdrop of betrayal. It is the darkness of Judas's betrayal that actually only highlights Christ's love. And so last week we were navigating this road. We took it kind of in two stages. Last week it was to behold God's glory and to see his brilliance of his love by realizing that even this dark betrayal will not deter God's saving plan, right? Judas is plotting Jesus' death with all of its wickedness, and yet he is actually accomplishing God's plot to save the world with all of its goodness. And so this morning, as I look at the cross, whether it's behind me or a picture often that we have up on the screen, you can picture the cross in your head. You look at the cross, and it is with confidence that you can know that God can paint a holy masterpiece even with that evil and wicked brush of betrayal. God's plan is not overturned by this. But this week, we're going to see the brilliance of God's love, again, against that dark backdrop of betrayal, And we are going to see it. We're going to hear about God's love this morning. I think we're even going to feel God's love to a greater extent because it is shown to the one who is going to betray him. Okay? Jesus is going to love Judas to the utmost of his unloveliness. Because of how dark Judas is in this story, he is going to showcase the extent, the far reaches of Christ's love, right? Faith family, even betrayal will not deter the sacrificial love of God. That's the point. Even betrayal will not deter the sacrificial love of God. There is something this morning, I think, for every single heart that is here. There is a place this morning for a soiled Bible with tears. If your sins feel like mountains, you will feel that his love is like Noah's flood. It will cover them. And may it lift our hearts afloat above those rocks that have attempted to ruin our life and to wreck it, and that we would just be caught up in this mighty tide of God's love. If you don't appreciate the tide of God's love, really he's assembled a bouquet for us of flowers here. Each each flower in this bouquet this morning is going to have our senses touch. We're going to see, we're going to hear, we're going to touch, taste, smell. Uh, Each of these gifts are just expressions of his love. But in order to feel it, you have to do just one thing for me. You have to make sure you don't look at Judas as a portrait You need to look at Judas, not as a portrait, as if he's out there. He's doing this one sin that is so bad that none of us would ever do. It's not repeatable. He's the only one that denied Christ. We're not like that in any which way, shape, or form. 
Don't look at him as a portrait. Look at Judas as a selfie. When's the last time you took a selfie? Go ahead, look at your phone. You want to anyways. It's been about two minutes, right? <laughs> look down. Your last selfie. Well, if you haven't taken a selfie in a while, and if you don't have a phone that takes a picture, I think even Dandy Hart has uh, gotten a phone now that, that, that takes pictures. So, I mean, push that camera button. It flips around, takes a selfie. This morning, we're going to take a selfie, and we're going to see that even though you may not be Judas through and through, we all have a Judas inside of us. And would you be melted by this persistent, sacrificial love of Christ this morning that he shows to the one who is going to betray him. This upper room that we are in in John 13 is charged with persistent love. First, see the persistent love of Christ, the persistent pursuit that Christ has of Judas as he washes his feet. Look at verses 2 through 5, John 13. If you're new to using the Bible, large numbers of the chapters, small numbers of the verses, keep it open. 2 through 5, see the persistent pursuit of Judas. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. It is likely that Judas was uh, positioned right to Jesus' left. He could have been the very first person that Christ actually washed the feet of. And there Jesus stoops down. He takes each of Judas's feet. Even though his heel, we read, is already raised, ready to strike him. And he washes Judas's feet. Even betrayal will not deter the sacrificial love of God. Well, Jesus progresses on to Peter, and a dialogue ensues in verses 6 through 10. Listen to 6 through 10. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but it is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. And now going on to verse 11, John cannot resist inserting himself as the narrator. In verse 11, John says, for he knew, speaking of Jesus, who was about to betray him. That's why he, Jesus said, not all of you are clean. Jesus said, not all of you are clean. It was a warning cry. It was an arrow of love that was meant to go deep into Judas's heart. You are clean, but not every one of you. It was intended to awaken the guilty conscience. It would needle him, right? Just think about Jesus' words would have played through the silence of the dripping of water. Ten pairs of feet to wash. Lifting the water out, hearing it go back into the bowl. And as each man has his feet washed, Judas would continually hear the dripping of water and the sound of Jesus' voice. Not all of you, 
are clean. The movement of Jesus, the stooping down, identifying himself as a servant even though he is their rabbi, and Judas would have known, I am not clean. It would have hurt Jesus, but it wasn't enough. But is it enough for you this morning? Would you be melted by the persistent pursuit of Christ this morning? See, see that though your sins be as mountains, his love is like a Noah's flood. He doesn't just wash the soil from your feet, but the very sin that stains our hearts. But also here, hear the persistent pursuit of Christ's love for Judas. You could hear it in his words. It is a night in which nothing but kindness flows from our Savior's lips. We find no fewer than five times that he speak either to Judas or about Judas. I don't know about you, but my betrayer, probably going to get the cold shoulder, probably going to get the silent treatment, probably going to overlook. I think uh, Jeff Havisto this morning in Sunday school talked about just pulling away from not pulling and rushing towards. But here Christ continue in John 13, 16 through 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scriptures will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Now hear the persistent pursuit of Jesus in the tenderness of His voice. Look at verse 21. And after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. His voice must have given way. He apparently got choked up. This pulpit is known for people choking up. The word in verse 21 of troubled in spirit is the same word that he used earlier when he was considering the cross, his own fate that was coming. And now there is not a visible sign of anguish because of what was going to happen to him. No, a few hours before the cross, Jesus' heart is not troubled for himself. His heart is troubled for another. The one who is not going to receive him, but the one who is going to reject him, the one who is going to betray him to his death. I tell you truly, one of you will betray me. All hear the emotion all hear the crack in his voice, especially Judas. Will you be melted that your sin is breaking the very heart of God? The one that you are rejecting is the lover of your soul. Friends, we need to stop thinking of sin as just violating some arbitrary law of a cosmic cop. Oh, what's the big deal? These morals in this world, they're just arbitrary. It's just how we get along together. No, we are betraying the lover of our soul when we sin. It is breaking the very heart of God. Will that melt your heart this morning?
If not, it gets better. May I say it gets awesome. This is unforgettable to me. This is the best part of the study for the past two weeks. I don't know about you, but my heart melts when times when people could say something but don't. Have you ever experienced that? Someone's love in what they don't say? Here, Jesus' persistent pursuit of Judas by how discreet Jesus is. Did you notice that Jesus never mentions Judas's name? Why? Not every one of you, verse 10. One of you will betray me, verse 21. Why is Jesus so careful not to reveal the identity of Judas? Why not tell the boys? They've been around with each other for three years. They can take some razzing. They can take some teasing. If he slipped, even in the slightest, those boys would have been after Judas like a dog with a bone. I was encouraged by Robert Murray McChain, who wrote a sermon called The Melting Love of Jesus. And he says this, Why won't Jesus disclose Judas? Because he is not trying to shatter Judas, he is trying to melt his heart. He's not trying to condemn Judas, he's trying to convert him. Think of it like this. Parents, have you played the game of chess with your kids? And when you play that game of chess and they're just beginning their strategies are obvious to you. You can just read their minds. You see where they're going. You know what they're going to do. This is not how siblings play with each other, okay? But as a parent plays with a child, you see where they're going to go, and this is what a good parent does because you don't want to devastate them. You want to make them a disciple of the game. You want them to love the game. And so what do you say? Are you sure you want to move there? Do you see my queen? That move will devastate you. I see you. I love you. That's so different than the wicked white witch of Narnia. When Edmund is enslaved by his love for Turkish delight, and there is a traitor in their midst, the white witch says, there's a traitor in your midst. And there he is. She's not trying to heal Edmund of his love for Turkish delight. She's exposing him. She's humiliating him. And he wants him to be forever enslaved, known as the traitor. But on the other hand, Jesus does not say, there's the scum. There's a traitor. There's the liar. There's the thief. But he says enough to let him know that he's talking about him, to warn him, but he doesn't humiliate him. He doesn't trample on him. It's a good lesson for all of his parents and how we pursue our kids, discipline our kids. It's not the point of the sermon, but this feels a good application. Faith family, do you have ears to hear of the Savior's love? It's not with the harshness of an unfeeling man, but it is with tenderness that Jesus says, one of you will betray me. 
He's giving Judas a chance before it is too late. And he is giving you a chance because he already knows what's in Judas's heart. And he already knows that some of us in here already want to abandon him. You might not be a Judas through and through, but we all have a Judas inside of us. Please take a selfie this morning. The disciples do it. Look with them at verse 22 through 24. The disciples are clueless, even though Jesus is clear, they all think it could be them. Verses 22 through 24, the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table side, at Jesus' side. So then Peter motioned to him to ask him of who he was speaking. So it looks like John is right next to Jesus. Peter's across the way. Peter wants to find out who it is. He gives John the nod, like, ask him. The 11 are all in corporate shock. The 11 stare at one another. They are at a loss to know which one it was. In Matthew's account that we have in Matthew 26, it says that they were sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? Surely is it I, Lord? Judas plays along. His words are recorded in Matthew 26, 25. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? No one in the room had the slightest inkling that it was Judas. However concealed he was to his disciples, he was laid bare before the God with whom he has to do. And Jesus, for the first time, said to him, you have said so. Up until now, Jesus has not revealed anything about Judas. And we are amazed that Judas was not overwhelmed by what he heard. Lord, you see me? Lord, you see me. Why did he not confess like the Samaritan woman? When Jesus met the Samaritan woman, she goes back into town and says, come see a man who told me all that I have done. He sees me. Could this not be the Christ? But no, not Judas. The arrows of the Savior's love bounce off of his heart like a rock. And Judas is still at the table, ready to receive the elements, the symbols of the Savior's body and blood as Judas' hands are bloody with sin. My friends, are there any hearts here this morning that are like Judas? Have you locked your heart up so much that no air has gotten to it, that your heart now is no longer a heart, it is just a stone, as C.S. Lewis said? Well, here's comfort. Though your heart be as ice, his love can be a blowtorch. Still unrelenting, Jesus pursues Judas again. This time we are to feel the love of Christ, taste, touch, smell. All of it is here in our last point. But to capture this scene, when Christ offers Judas a morsel of bread, you have to do one thing. You have to forget da Vinci's painting. Okay, we have this picture of the Last Supper where all the guys are sitting down in chairs and Jesus is in the middle. That is not what this is like. Okay, so just delete that from your head. Okay, what this is like is that these disciples were not sitting upright at the table, but they were reclining. Think more couches. Okay, they would be close together. Their feet would be removed from the table, but their head would be kind of more directed inward. That means that when you eat together, you were very close. 
and trying to demonstrate this for my kids, Hudson and I decided that we were going to lay on the ground and try to do this together. And by the end of it, Hudson and I, on the middle of the kitchen floor, trying to show how we would lean up on one elbow and then how close we'd have to be to feed each other, we basically got to the point where we were spooning. Yeah, <laughs> that's how close it was. So when you sign up for the Faith Family Table and you get invited to the Owens household, uh, just be glad we have benches. Now, if there's no benches at the table, just realize that it's biblical, all right? And uh, no, I'm kidding. We won't. You know, who signed up for the Owens family table? The, the, the Sarah? <laughs> yes. Uh, the Holes? Yes, yes, okay. Uh, the Brickners? Yeah, that, that will be fun. Okay, we won't do that, I promise. Still come over. But they are really leaning into each other here. Now consider how close Judas would have to be in order to be served by Christ. And what happens next in verse 26. Jesus answered, It is he to whom I give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Where would Judas have to be in proximity to Jesus? It is very likely that Judas had Jesus' head on his breast. We don't know if this is their normal seating, but this is an architecture of grace. Here, Judas would be seated at the left side of Jesus, a seat of honor. How did Jesus set this up? We don't know. But it is not beyond the realm of possibility that as they're walking to the upper room, that Jesus takes Judas to the side as they're walking and says, hey, Judas, I have some things I want to talk to you about. Come and sit next to me. Have the seat of honor. Jesus would have handed Judas this morsel of bread. He had already washed his feet, but now he gives him probably the first piece of food. Those of you that are hosts and have been to other countries, you know how that bowl in the middle that you're all going to pull from, if you get the first dollop with the bread on it, you're going to get all the sauce with the meat. It's still there in the bowl. It hasn't been eaten by others. You're going to get the best piece fed directly by the host. What honor. We're definitely to taste the love of Christ pursuing Judas in this gesture. And he's saying to Judas through this demonstration, here's my friendship. Judas, it is not too late. We could probably even see a foretaste of sacramental love. This is not the Lord's Supper necessarily, but Jesus still saying, I'm willing to offer you my body, my blood. I'm willing to die for you because for you to eat this sweet bread by my hand, I must drink that bitter cup. I will drink the cup of death so that you can eat from this bowl of life. And so the question remains for us this morning in application, why, my Jesus, should I not love thee? when Jesus, you are so much in love with me. That's the poem on the inside of your bulletin. And if you're trying to understand Christianity, here is a heart-melting demonstration. Jesus reaches out to Judas. Christ is earnestly seeking the salvation of Judas. God does not delight in the death of the wicked. Ezekiel 33:11. So Jesus does not wait for Judas to turn back. 
Jesus does not wait for Judas to make promises. Jesus does not wait for Judas to clean himself up. Jesus pursues Judas with his love. My non-Christian friend, you may think that because of all that you have done against Christ, that there cannot be any love for you. Behold, how tenderly he loves Judas, carefully, delicately, discreetly, intentionally, purposefully, all to lead him to repentance. And he's the same Savior today. He's in the upper room of the universe. He has messengers that he has to deliver the same message that he gave to Judas. For God so loved the world in all its ugliness that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have everlasting life. That's what this love means now. A love that burns so hot that many waters cannot quench. A love that your sins cannot smother. If your sins be as mountains, his love is like Noah's flood. So if you feel this morning as a non-Christian any warmth of His love, it is because of His blowtorches on you. He first loves you and pursues you. So please turn. Turn. Why would you die in your sins? How could Judas resist? How could you resist? So powerfully, so delicately does Jesus awaken that slumbering conscience. Make no mistake, Judas had a conscience. It's going to smite him that night. But for the moment, he sat on top of it, not allowing his heart to melt. He shut it down. He slams the door on the way out. And John ends with the saddest words in all of Scripture, and it was night. Judas abandoned Jesus. Faith family, a lot of us want to abandon Jesus. This is a sin for insiders. This is not a sin for outsiders. This is a sin for those that go to church, that are in the 12, that are in the company, the assembly of love. Because friends, remember, Jesus was betrayed not with a slap, but with a kiss. It's insiders, not outsiders that do this. So how do you, faith family, not betray your Lord? How do you avoid becoming a Judas? Well, Behold the brilliance of his love. Be captured by it. Judas abandoned Jesus ultimately because he didn't find him beautiful. He only found him useful. You know, when Jesus was doing great things and it was in your benefit to be associated with Jesus, his power, some money, some prestige, miracles, you were a part of that band of brothers. It was in your favor to associate with him. But these men all knew that the, that the wind had changed, that the hourglass of sand was running down. They could feel the temperature get a little hotter. And so the thought goes like this. If I don't ingratiate myself with the enemies of Jesus, I too will be imprisoned or killed just like him. And that's a thought that would have crossed all of their minds, not just Judas. 
Anyone who knows their heart at all knows that we all want to sell Jesus off when it costs us. Because there's a big part of it that says, hey, as long as things are going well, as long as I'm getting something out of this, oh yeah, I love being religious, I love going to church, I love following Jesus. But when it begins to cost you, it's when we want to get out. We may not be a Judas, Judas through and through, but we all have a Judas in us. Therefore, if anyone wants to cling to Jesus and keep to Jesus, you must know of his heart-melting love for you. See See the persistent pursuit of you and that he's willing to not just wash your feet, but your soul of your sin. Hear, hear the persistent love of Christ as he pursues you. Are you sure you want to do that? You sure you want to go there? Taste his grace extended by his very hand. I'm willing to give you my life, my friend. What a bouquet of love to display his brilliance, and his glory. You want to make sure you're not a Judas? Don't look at him as a portrait. Look at him as a selfie. You may not be a Judas through and through, but we all have Judas in us. Melt your heart by knowing that our betrayals will not deter God's sacrificial love for us. Let's have a moment of silence before the praise team comes on up. David and team, they're going to lead some two closing songs. If you're a Christian, say sit back, close your eyes, feel the warmth of his love on you like sun that radiates on a hot August day. Sunbathe in the Father's love, the Son's love, the Spirit's love for you. And it would keep your heart from wondering. Here's my heart, take and seal it, seal it for courts above. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Chain me with your cords of love. Have a moment of silence and then, David, whenever you're ready.